Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our annual budget telephone town hall. We'll get started here shortly. My name is Chantelle de Jong, MLA for Chestnut Strathmore and the Parliamentary Secretary for the Ministry of Affordability and Utilities, and I'll be the moderator for this evening's discussion. With us is the President of Treasury Board and Minister of Finance, Minister Nate Horner. Minister Horner will host tonight's live and interactive telephone town hall discussion about Alberta's finances. Minister Horner, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Chantel, and good evening to everyone on the line tonight. I appreciate you all taking time out of your evening to listen in and share your comments on Budget 2024. Yes. Whether you are joining us by phone or online, your participation at tonight's town hall is much appreciated. When you have a question you'd like to ask, please press star three on your keypad and you will be transferred to a live agent who will provide further instructions. We'll try to get as many questions this evening as possible. For those that are listening through the live stream online, you can type your question into the dialogue box and we'll do our best to answer those questions as well. Before we get into the question and answer portion of tonight's call, let's take a moment to just set the stage and talk about why we're holding this town hall tonight. Minister, why don't you start us off? What are you hoping to get out of this evening's telephone town hall? Thanks, Chantel. To all of you on the line tonight, I want to hear about the things that matter to you and your family and how Budget 2024 can support you and your communities. Let me just take a moment to share with you what we're already doing to build economic resilience in the province. Our government is working hard towards building prosperity now and for future generations. Your input is important, so we continue on the right path, keep our economy moving forward, with more jobs and more investment. Our finances are on track, but we need to stay focused on making responsible fiscal choices so we continue to be Canada's economic engine. No matter what we face, swings in oil prices, high interest rates, or political uncertainty around the world, our government will continue to pursue growth in a responsible and sustainable way. Our most recent fiscal update shows this work is paying off. At the end of November, I reported that we are now forecasting a surplus of $5.5 billion for this fiscal year. That's a $3.2 billion increase from the forecast we made at Budget 2023. This is good news. One factor contributing to that is revenues from corporate income taxes. We have the lowest corporate income tax rate in the country, and this low-tax, pro-growth environment is attracting new businesses and investments in communities across the province. We're also blessed to have revenue from non-renewable resources supporting our province. Bitumen royalties are expected to boost our revenue by an additional $1.8 billion from budget, and overall resource revenue is forecast to bring in $19.7 billion this fiscal year. But as you know, the price of oil has been trending down. Our forecasters predict the price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate will be $79 per barrel this fiscal year. That's in line with what we forecast in the last budget. But the price is expected to go down to $76 next year and $73.50 the year after. I know a $5.5 billion surplus is a huge number to contemplate, but the surplus, the surplus can quickly get eaten up if the government doesn't plan wisely with your future in mind. For instance, we've already increased our spending in critical areas to support you and the programs and services you rely on. We directed $1.2 billion into fire and disaster response 
much of it to keep Albertans and their property safe during this past summer's unprecedented wildfire season. We've also earmarked more money for health, to strengthen the healthcare system and to boost the health workforce, not to mention provide top-notch mental health care. We're providing education in schools, more funding for enrollment growth, so students continue to have access to top quality teachers and learning. In fact, we've increased our expenses by 481 million over our last budget forecast. But I do lose sleep over other pressures to our budget coming down the pipe. Even though we continue to pay down billions of dollars of debt, our debt servicing costs are rising and are expected to hit 309 million this year. Higher interest rates are the biggest culprit. That's a huge amount that I would much rather spend on supporting Albertans. We're also heading into negotiations this coming year for thousands of public sector workers. Their wages already account for a large portion of the government's budget, and we need to make sure we have enough in the bank to support any future contracts. All this means we have to remain committed to fiscal discipline. We must manage Alberta's finances responsibly, both when we see economic risks and uncertainty on the horizon, as well as in times of surplus. That's why we legislated a new fiscal framework earlier this year to guide how we spend and save taxpayer money. Half of any available surplus cash must be used to pay down debt. That means we expect to eliminate 3.2 billion in debt in 23-24. That should reduce the debt burden for you and the next generation. We also forecast we will deposit about 1.6 billion uh, to the Alberta Fund. The dollars in that fund can be saved in the Alberta Heritage Savings Trust Fund, our province's long-term savings account, or they can be allocated to one-time spending initiatives that don't require operating expenses year after year. So that's a lot of background, but it leads us to why we're here tonight. I want to hear your ideas on where the government should focus the budget next year. Are there projects needing one-time funding support that you would advocate for? What budget choices would help make your life more affordable? How can Alberta continue to attract investment, innovation, and new jobs to our province? How can our savings today be built up to help your communities, families, and children in the future? How can we ensure Alberta's economy is strong, not only now, but in the future, no matter what economic headwinds we face? need to make sure we are building an economy that is resilient in the face of ups and downs, and we need to take great care of your dollars so everyone benefits from Alberta's prosperity and growth. With that, I'll throw the phone lines open to you. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Thank you for the introduction, Minister Horner. To all of our callers, if you'd like to ask a question tonight, please dial star three on your keypad to let us know that you'd like to speak live on the call. You'll then speak to an operator who will provide further instructions. So without further delay, let's head to the phones for our first caller. Our first caller is Emily from Medicine Hat, and her question is, Mr. Horner, your government is so focused on paying down debt, but that doesn't help my family and me now. What are you going to do to help me? Uh, thank you for the question, Emily. I think it's important it's important to realize that uh, with a revenue structure like Alberta has, um, it's sincerely important that in the good years or the decent years that you are committed to paying down debt. I think that um, you know, something that I don't know if it's, it's widely understood, but you never, you never budget for principal repayment. 
you only you only deal with debt servicing costs. So I think it's it's important to to understand that and uh, the the pressures that we're going to face on maturing debt um, are are some that the province has never seen. So in the next three years, uh, the province has to refinance about about twenty six point seven billion dollars in debt. Most of that debt would have been uh, taken at 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 two percent or a little greater than two percent. And right now, with our bond offerings, we're seeing uh, seeing debt in the in the mid to to high fours. Uh, so it has a substantial change. So I don't think it's one or the other. I think I think that you have to do both. We have to support Albertans and uh, and families while keeping an eye on on our debt servicing and our principal repayment in the good years. Um, I would point to the the changes we made with indexing uh, the basic personal exemption. So that's growing every year, helping every Albertan, uh, also indexing a lot of the support service programs that the province provides. Uh, so we're, we're always looking for other opportunities to provide Albertans, but uh, it is important to focus on that, especially when you're in a surplus position. Thank you for that question. For those of you just joining us on the line, I'm Chantelle DeYoung, MLA for Chestermere Strathmore. I'm here with Nate Horner, Alberta's Finance Minister and we're talking about the provincial budget. We're hoping to hear about your ideas on how to keep Alberta's economy resilient and how to use our finances to support Albertans. To ask a question about Alberta's provincial budget, just press star three on your phone to let us know that you'd like to speak live on the call. And if you're listening online, you can also submit a written question. Our next caller is Brandy from Calgary. Brandy, you're live, please go ahead. Hi there, thanks for taking my call. In light of the large increase in enrollment in students in Alberta public education, how is the budget going to address the growing class sizes and diversity of students in Alberta? What specific measures will you be doing to ensure that class sizes are being addressed? Thank you for the question, Brandy. Um, and it's an important one. Uh, it's a uh, a topic that gets discussed here quite quite often. Um, I would point to to some of to some of what happened already in budget 2023. Uh, we did uh, we did commit in budget 23 uh, 28 million dollars to classroom complexity in budget 23, and also 820 million in enrollment growth in budget 23. In this fiscal year. Uh, fairly recently, we've we've added another 30 million uh, for enrollment growth. And this this stems from the you know the big population increases we're seeing um, in our first quarter we were showing a population increase of uh, 4.5 percent in mid year that came down slightly to 4.1 percent but it is uh, it is the challenge of growth and it will also display itself when we have our our capital submissions and discussions around budget. Uh, we will need to continue to, to build schools across the province um, and, and do it diligently. So I think it's, it'll be a top, uh, top priority in Budget 2024. Thank you, Brandy. That was a great question. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, this question comes from Tammy. She submitted the question online and Tammy's asking, my property taxes continue to rise every year, yet no accountability by council for where increased funds are going. What is the government of Alberta doing to hold municipalities to account? 
Uh, thank you for the question, Tammy. Well, in, in budget 2023, education property tax uh, was frozen. I know that um, you know whether you're the provincial government or or different municipal governments, you have to to make tough decisions and and be accountable to your uh, to your taxpayers. And there is only one there is only one taxpayer. So I'd, I'd say that we have to we have to work with our municipalities, but uh, all Albertans need to hold everyone to account, whether it's municipal councils or or our provincial government. Um, but I think that's why it's so important from our perspective when we're looking at the provincial finances uh, to to really stay within stay within our means, and we can't have debt servicing costs that become uh, you know line items bigger than entire ministries. So that's that's the challenge uh, for us and the municipalities. Um, but we everyone needs to be held to account. A big thank you to everyone who's participating from home right now, both on the phone and online. It's been a really interesting discussion so far. Uh, so let's keep it going and take another call. Uh, this next caller is Lori from Calgary. Lori, you are live and we are ready for your question. Good evening, Mr. Horner. Uh, this day and age, of course, healthcare is uh, top priority for a lot of people, as I am a senior. And I'd just like to know, um, I know there's only so much money to go around and you have to pigeonhole uh, a lot of this money. Um, how much uh, will you be allotting the health care as opposed to pay, paying down the debt? Thank you very much, Lori. You know, and uh, appreciate the question. Um, we are we are still the the youngest population uh, in in the country, but we're we're also aging the fastest. Uh, when you look at health um, operating line, uh, so in 23, 24, at mid year it was showing 24.8 billion. Uh, in our forecast for 24, 25, we have it going up to 25.7 billion. In 25, 26, uh, 26.3 billion. Uh, to give you kind of a sense, um, it's by far the largest line item we have, as as I'm sure I'm sure you know. Uh, but that's that's the challenge. We have uh, a more complicated healthcare system and a more expensive healthcare system than in the past. Of course, labor is well well known, but uh, also just the diagnostic tools needed. And so much technology present that uh, it will always hold a, a big piece of the pie, uh, but it's also something that uh, you know everybody's concerned about and, and wants to make sure we're we're making it better. And uh, that that'll be the goal. It'll it'll be a top priority. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Minister, for sharing that insight. Our next caller is Sean from Calgary. Sean, you are live, and we're ready to uh, to take your question. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Mr. Horner. How are you? Um, I'm a 30-year-old oil and gas worker, and the last since June, I would say uh, I've put over 400 400 applications in for jobs um, to no avail. I also went back to school and upgraded my education to think that would also help. I just like to know. Um, what kind of investment would be in the books for uh, jobs in Alberta and for younger folks like myself to uh, get back on their feet and get working again? Thank you for the question. And I am 
sorry to hear that it's been such a challenge. Uh, I would point to, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of big announcements, but also a lot of, a lot of uh, smaller ones. But if you look at the, the Dow chemical, uh, petrochemical announcement from a few weeks back, I know we've been, we've been working on that for, for multiple years, but that project alone is expected to create about 8,000 construction jobs over six years, um, four to 500 jobs long-term. Uh, the air products announcement, 2,500 construction jobs. Um, across, and, and not just in oil and gas. Your question was specific to oil and gas, but also, you know, the announcements like uh, de Havilland, County, um, and all of the, the tech announcements as well. Uh, over the past five years, I, I think I think there will be more opportunity that presents itself to you, Sean, and I certainly hope that uh, hope that uh, it all works out and you're able to uh, get back in the field that uh, that you're looking to. We we know we need you. Um, part of the challenge will be making sure we have enough people like you, Sean, to to take on these jobs. Um, we're having to invest in in skilled trades. Uh, some of these jobs. You know, already can really deplete a workforce of you know pipe fitters and welders across the board. So we're we're trying to compete too with uh, with the other provinces that have some some big ambitions in this space. So um, I think your your odds are very very good, and I hope you get some good news in the in the near future. Thanks for calling in, Sean, and thank you, Minister. I think uh, that was very valuable insight into the labor market. Uh, for those on the line to ask us a question about Alberta's provincial budget, just press star three on your phone to let us know that you'd like to speak live on the call. And again, for those listening online, you can also submit uh, your written question. So the next question comes from Fritz in Calgary. And Fritz is asking, what is being done to get more doctors? We are getting dental from the federal government could hearing help be provided uh, also for seniors? Thank you for the question, Fritz. Uh, what are we doing to get more doctors? So I'll maybe go back to budget 2023. Um, there was uh, money allotted uh, to fund more, more seats to help create more physicians um, and also other healthcare spaces uh, to fund 120 more um, Doctor, doctor training seats in our post-secondary institutions and also 1,800 more seats for nurses and healthcare aides. Um, your question about uh, you know, benefits around uh, seniors or any other group, those things can, can always, be, always be looked at. Um, I'd say that part of this process with, with Budget 2024 is just getting, getting everything on the table and and looking at the trade-offs, you know, there's a lot of defensible things that would do great things for the province, um, but you have to look at uh, at the expense of what else. Um, previous uh, caller said that they know there's only so much to go around, so everything has to be looked at through that lens. But I'm I'm writing down your comment, and uh, we'll take it forward. Thank you, Minister. I know you make very uh, important and tough decisions, and I've uh, full confidence in your ability and, and proud to be uh, part of the team with you and uh, on tonight's call. Our next question is coming from Elizabeth and Raymond. Great to hear from uh, from small town of Raymond tonight. We're live. Go ahead with your question. Hi. 
Um, hi, Mr. How are you this evening? Very good. Yeah, thank you for calling. Good. Um, so my question is, um, statement first and then a question. So the power and the gas bills that we receive for our homes are 95% service charges. What can and will the government do to help us in these hard times not to be paying our hard-earned money mostly to service charges? Yes, thank you for the question, Elizabeth, and it's it's a good one. I know this is a major frustration for uh, many Albertans, but um, especially rural Albertans. Um, the distribution fees are, are far different for, for rural Albertans uh, than they are for our our, uh, our cousins that, that live in either Calgary or Edmonton. Uh, minister Newdorf, our affordability and utilities minister, is uh, is developing a strategy. Um, you know, we're this has been well discussed uh, publicly. Our our challenges with the federal government is we're trying to develop a, a sustainable uh, grid in the province, and I mean sustainable. Um, in a lot of different ways, but sustainable for Albertans pocketbooks. We need to ensure that we're generating power uh, in a way that it's it's not only affordable, that it's uh, a part of the Alberta advantage. And that's, that's what it used to be, and, and that's where we need to get back to. Um, you know, so we will, we'll continue those discussions. Um, and I think Minister Newdorf will be back to us in, in first quarter 2024. Uh, with the first part of his strategy, uh, but I appreciate the I appreciate the call and realize what a driver this is of uh, of people's expenses, and I would just say you can't uh, can't really diversify the economy of a province without affordable power. If you're looking to value add, uh, bring in you know manufacturing uh, and different economic opportunities to the province. We need affordable power, and we need to distribute it efficiently. So I appreciate that's close to my heart, that one, Elizabeth. But thank you. Thank you very much for the question. Thank you so much, Minister Horner, and thank you, Elizabeth, for uh, taking the time to call in tonight. Our next question comes from Kevin in Calgary. Uh, Kevin, you're live, and we're ready for your question. Hi, my big question was going to be, why aren't we doing any types of initiatives or subsidies or funding any types of projects that would start capturing some of the methane released by the wastewater treatment plants? Basically, that would not only uh, satisfy Justin Trudeau's new methane capture requirements, it would open up jobs in oil and gas, it would help make energy productions lower, and we could even sell that oil, uh, that, that gas, to Germany, which they desperately want to purchase, and I would no longer have to smell the poop winds blowing whenever, basically, after any major holiday or after dinner time. No, great question, Kevin. Thank you for it. Um, I'd say when it comes to any of these, you know, business initiatives, like we do work with um, all of the groups from Alberta, Alberta Innovates. Uh, some of our some of our other investment attraction teams they're always looking for opportunity that can help uh, on both sides of the challenge uh, like you laid out um, yeah methane is a it is a something that's been discussed a lot especially since the the federal announcements at cop 
you know, I think we're we're on target to hit uh, hit our methane reduction targets three years early. Um, but the the way it's laid out in the the way the feds have laid out what they'd like us to do is is uh, most likely uh, unachievable and would be inefficient. So we're we are having discussions with them. But I think you propose a very interesting uh, solution, and uh, I'll I'll take that forward with with our energy minister as uh, well. I'll see I'll see if it's something they've they've discussed. You never know who's who's heard what in what rooms. But appreciate the call. Thank you so much for calling in, Kevin, and thank you, Minister, for uh, the answer. Our next question comes from uh, Michelle in Tabor. Uh, Michelle, thanks so much for uh, for calling in tonight. You are live, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your question. Michelle, are you uh, are you here with us? Okay, looks like we lost Michelle. So our next caller is uh, Carolyn from Evergreen. Uh, Carolyn, you are live. Uh, and we're uh, ready for your question. Thank you. My question is about health care, and I wondered if the government, seeing as they totally want to revamp it, if they would consider putting money into preventative health. And by doing that, like, for example, pay people, um, I don't know, I think a grocery credit card would be, or a grocery um, gift card would be awesome for every time if you have a mammogram, a colonoscopy, an eye exam, a dental exam, an annual exam, to keep people healthy. And people who have kids in sports, um, Harper brought this out years ago, but give a tax incentive for people who are paying to put their kids in sports because that keeps them healthy and out of trouble as well. And And I think it would also... If you would pay people to or incentivize, it would also keep our entrepreneurial optometrists, uh, chiropractors, physiotherapists, it would keep them in business as well. I don't know. It's just a suggestion, but I think it might work. No, thank you very much, Carolyn. It's a thoughtful question. I, I know we've had many conversations about this, and I know Premier Smith. Uh, has uh, has communicated a sim similar feeling, you know, uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, that kind of idea. And I think it it has it has a lot of it has a lot of merit. I know Minister Lagrange is very uh, is very focused on on the reorganization uh, that's that's currently just begun uh, within AHS. Uh, but I I think the the idea of the you know the different the different organizations being allowed to to focus on on what they do well, uh, and us being able to you know put resources uh, where they're needed, maybe more efficiently. Uh, I think that could that could be a great benefit. But I certainly uh, I appreciate your thoughts, and I'll uh, continue to have those conversations with Minister Lagrange and the rest of cabinet. Caroline, for your uh, your feedback here. Thank you, Minister. Our next question comes from Kelly in uh, in Medicine Hat, and Kelly, you are live. Hi. Uh, yeah. Uh, my question is: uh, Is there any money earmarked for uh, carbon capture uh, projects, uh, and uh, any incentives to become the uh, 
recyclers of Canada, kind of the, the best of the best kind of thing. Uh, I think you're doing a great job, uh, so I'll just wait for your answer. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly. Uh, so we currently have, you know, carbon capture uh, funding that's available through through our tier fund. Um, you may have heard recently with the, the federal announcement, we, we've announced our own um, ACIP program, we call it, but it, it stands for the uh, Alberta Carbon Capture Incentive Program. So it, it basically, it, it is linked to the, the federal programming so that their investment tax credits, um, but it'll allow us to, you know, pursue carbon capture at a, at a large scale. Um, many don't know we're, we're really leaders in this field. Um, you know, the Alberta Carbon Trunk Line, um, we're working with a company to become maybe the first uh, net zero uh, cement concrete company. And the Dow uh, net zero ethylene cracker that uh, that I spoke about earlier that's just been announced, you know, that's part of the reason that they're locating in Alberta is because they want close proximity, not only to our natural gas, but also the carbon trunk line. And it is a big advantage to us in this sense. We have we have great uh, understanding of our geology and, and our reservoirs and all of the uh, most highly trained and knowledgeable people in, in dealing with that. So. I think uh, it's it's an advantage for us. Uh, you know, part of the challenge will just be uh, in dealing with uh, you know this federal government or a federal government in the future is understanding uh, how the how the costs are to be applied and where the money will come from. Um, we're going to um, look at uh, at carbon capture. You know, in this way, it is it is one of the more expensive places, I'd say, on the emission abatement curve. Uh, so that's that's one of the challenges. But we we made clear through our announcement that uh, we are definitely uh, in the game and part of the program, and we'll do our part uh, to support our industries that are uh, attempting to do this. Thank you, Minister. And there's just so many great stories. Um, in the space and um, and just more ways that Alberta is really, really leading the charge on on this. We've seen that tier funding um, go through uh, emissions reduction Alberta to kickstart really incredible projects like North Stars, Asphalt Shingle, Recycler, uh, just outside of uh, my hometown of Chestermere. And uh, you'll be able to bring um, old asphalt shingles there um, they'll break it down uh, into uh, into its composite parts and then use it to to create new shingles. And this will dramatically reduce the carbon footprint compared to uh, to the traditional uh, method of of making shingles. So this is just one of of many great Alberta success stories. And so I I really commend all the incredible work uh, our government is doing on that front. So the next question comes from Roberta in Calgary. Uh, Roberta, you are live. Go ahead. Hi there. Uh, that uh, I am a low-income senior, and uh, that there is a real major problem going on in that a lot of landlords are raising the rents of low-income seniors and leaving us in a situation of deciding 
with whatever we've got left. Uh, do we have food or not? And is there anything that the government is going to do to help us out? Because a lot of us are ex-military, and we've given a lot to this country, and we should be given a modicum of a reward from all that we have done for this country. Thank you very much, Roberta, and thank you for your service. Um, I certainly uh, appreciate uh, where you're coming from, and it's definitely not lost on this government, the affordability challenges uh, that are out there. Uh, as you as you look at the the tools available to any um, to any government, uh, I think you first start on on the expense side. Um, Alberta, you know, currently with our our low taxes and indexed um, our indexed basic personal exemption, our no no sales tax, uh, no payroll taxes, no health care premiums. If you compared us to any other uh, any other province uh, in the country, you know Albertans and Alberta would pay about 20 billion more in taxes a year. I think that's that's one part of the that's one part of the answer of how we're going to continue to to keep life affordable for everyone. Um, on the other side, you know we we announced in in Budget 23 that we would also you know index. Um, the majority of Alberta's uh, social programs uh, to do our best to try to uh, take care of Alberta's most uh, vulnerable. Comes to uh, housing specifically, uh, many conversations with uh, with Minister Nixon about the the grand challenge that uh, that we face, and, and frankly, every every province is facing. Um, glad to see you know home starts are. Uh, at record levels as of last month, and we're going to continue to look at, you know, potential policies on the uh, on the affordable housing side. I think government has a has a strong role to play there. Uh, but that's uh, that's some of the challenge. You know, while we're we're doing things no government's ever done in the past, like uh, like funding funding food banks and trying to get right down at the at the ground level uh, to help people deal with with day-to-day the day-to-day challenges so i um yeah i just want you to know i I definitely appreciate uh appreciate your question and and comments and it's something that uh is always given a great deal of consideration uh around treasury board and i know in the specific ministries but thank you minister and thank you roberta for taking the time to call in and have a conversation with us tonight uh, to ask us a question about uh, about Alberta's provincial budget. I just press star three on your phone. Let us know that you'd like to, to speak live on the call and you'll be connected with one of our operators who will provide further instructions. And of course, if you're listening online, you can submit a written question. And our next next question goes to to Mike in Calgary. Mike, you are live. Go ahead. Oh, good evening. Mr. Horner, uh, one of the questions I had, it's uh, in regards to if there's any budgetary allocations for attracting new power generation facilities, uh, you know, such as nuclear power. Are there some new ultra-safe uh, generators out there now with, you know, thorium, 
salt water reactors, things of that nature that, you know, nuclear power is now ultra safe. I know Saskatchewan is proceeding, and I was wondering if Alberta, in conjunction with maybe working with their Saskatchewan partners, is entertaining that. Uh, thank you very much for the question, Mike. Um, so there's been uh, there's been a great many uh, conversations and meetings regarding you know small modular reactors and, and nuclear power generation in general, um, you know in, in the in the legislature and in the cabinet room. Um, we've met with uh, all of the major groups, um, just having discussions with what this could look like in Alberta. Uh, Previous administration, we joined the MOU with Saskatchewan, Ontario, and New Brunswick uh, to make sure that everybody, or that Alberta was doing everything it could, especially from the regulatory side, to prepare for uh, small modular and nuclear possibilities in the province. Uh, so a lot of that groundwork is done. Um, we continue to be part of the MOU uh, with the other provinces, and I know the Premier has had many conversations in this regard about what this would look like um, for Alberta. Part of the challenge is um, with our current system, uh, it's, it's straight up free, free market is coming in investing in the power generation space uh, where, they, where they would like to. Um, something that may uh, have to happen for nuclear to be uh, a real a real possibility in in the short uh, short term is uh, some kind of an arrangement with uh, with the provincial government. I know the premiers discussed that all options would be on the table, um, whether that would present itself um, as a as a partnership or or some kind of a, a power purchasing arrangement uh, with government. Uh, but it's it's early days, um, but we'll we'll continue to have those conversations. It's uh, it's something that I think everybody uh, is very bullish on. Although um, I do think we have to do a good job having this conversation with Albertans. Um, like you said, very very safe. Um, they're they're everywhere. Um, but I do think Albertans need to be uh, part of the conversation and uh, make sure that they're. They're not concerned about uh, nuclear power becoming part of our grid, but I certainly don't think they should be. And we'll try to do uh, our best to, you know, educate and and show them that that's uh, that's indeed indeed the case. Um, but it surely fits into uh, a lot of the environment minister Schultz's initiatives. I know they've there's been money come out of the tier fund uh, in how to deploy uh, SMRs. For her file, largely that was in conjunction with uh, the oil sector and the oil sands. Uh, but with all of this conversation around our power generation and our grid, it's something that uh, uh, Minister Newdorf and the Premier have definitely had a lot, of, a lot of conversations about. So I don't think you'll see anything specifically in Budget 24, but the the work is ongoing, and um, yeah, it'll be an interesting process. I'm excited for it. Thank you so much, Minister. There certainly is a lot of uh, opportunity here, and it's uh, so important that we have reliable and affordable electricity for Albertans. Uh, so, as to your comment, it'll be interesting to see going forward how nuclear is uh, part of that conversation. Our our next caller is Mary Lou from Calgary. Mary Lou, uh, you are live. Please go ahead. 
Uh, good evening, Minister. Thanks for taking my call. Um, mine is more of a suggestion or a statement rather than a question. Um, in terms of provincial sustainability, I'd, I'd like to suggest continued investment in education, specifically improving the quality of curriculum across all grade platforms, K through 12 and post-secondary, that would be colleges and universities. And this should be done by subject area experts specifically after broad con consultation among relevant academic stakeholders. And it, it sounds kind of, I don't know, trivial or like something that should be done anyways, but um, it's, it's very important investing in our kids and um, our teenagers, but it's, it's very, very important, um, as, uh, especially at the post-secondary level. And curriculum is extremely important, and maintaining it and keeping it updated um, in the traits especially, and maintaining the consistency among the curriculum between colleges and universities. I think that especially, again, uh, among colleges and techs and universities becomes um, extremely important, and that's one way to really sustain our um, economy into the future um, so that we don't have these um, skilled professional shortages um, in these different um, trades and technology sectors that we um, could be seeing or see right now. Well, thank you very much, Mary Lou, and I I, com I completely agree that uh, you know our education system, although challenging, uh, still has um, world class outcomes when it comes to to K to twelve. Uh, we want to make sure and ensure that that remains. Uh, there's been much discussion um, over the last term about, uh, you know, curriculum, uh, curriculum, and and how it needs to be, uh, you know, modernized and uh, obviously depoliticized, and just focus on, you know, the outcomes of the children and make sure that they're that Alberta retains, um, you know, that that level, uh, not only across Canada but across the world. So I I'm in complete agreement and. Uh, you know, we will will continue to to have a focus on on funding education. You know, appropriately, uh, was about an 8.8 .8 billion dollar um, opex forecast uh, in budget 23. Um, like I said earlier, we've had to had to increase uh, that line item in the mid year uh, to deal with enrollment pressures due to the population surge, uh, but it will get. Uh, It'll get a lot of attention, and uh, I'll take your comments uh, back to the education minister as well around the importance of curriculum, but um, in, com in complete agreement. So thank you. Thank you for the uh, call tonight. Thank you so much, Mary Lou and, and Minister again for that answer. And, uh, and talking about uh, world-class education, the 2022 uh, PSA results are out, and Alberta was really leading the way. Uh, I believe we ranked second in the world in reading, second in science, and seventh in math. So uh, uh, we've really done um, done great work here, and we need to make sure that we've got the supports in place for students uh, to uh, to ensure that we uh, we do lead the world in these outcomes. So 
So our next next question is coming from Jackie in Lethbridge. Jackie, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, you are live. Go ahead. Hello, I'm phoning. I'm just asking the question: When will the government consider opening up the student enrollment in secondary institutions for our medical and our educational? people, because until we have enough people educated in education and in our medical fields to support the number of people that are living in our province, we will not be able to move forward. Our school sizes in our classrooms will stay very restricted, where there's lots of students to one teacher, our hospitals, our doctors, nursing staff, everybody involved in that will be continue to be bombarded and our systems are going to eventually collapse or the level of care and education will start to slip. Yeah, thank you for the question, Jackie. You know, it's, it's a priority for this government to uh, continue to pursue more more spaces that are within our PSIs for, for all of the important fields that you mentioned. Um, you know, and I do, I do think that we've, uh, we've made some progress, uh, like I already mentioned uh, to a previous caller, like in Budget 23, um, we were able to begin the work to add 120 uh, physician training seats, um, over, over 1,800 uh, seats and spaces for uh, nurses and, and healthcare aides. Partnered with uh, U of C uh, to move towards more more spaces for uh, veterinary training. He currently picks um, out about 50 vets a year, looking to to bump that up to 100. Uh, but it it takes time. Uh, it takes. Uh, you know, cooperation with our post-secondary institutions and, and a good understanding of where where we're trying to go, and we need to do it in a way that's uh, that's cost-effective. Uh, something that was was uh, very interesting when the Minister of Advanced Education was going through this process, instead of just uh, throwing the, the funding out and saying you're you're going to get you're going to get X and you're going to get Y. Here's what we expect. Uh, he kind of put a challenge to them and said, we have this much money, how many seats and spaces can you create for this? And actually um, forced, forced the PSI somewhat to, to compete against each other and come up with some uh, efficiencies. And, and uh, in the end, it, it increased the uh, seat spaces by about 30% uh, from what our first expectation was. So... We're we're trying to do this uh, as efficiently as possible, but it also uh, comes with uh, the need of, of different capital infrastructure. So you have to tie that into the challenge as well. And we know the capital uh, doesn't get built overnight, so it takes some uh, some communication with the, the capital plan as well. Uh, but I take your point as, as very fair, and it's it's something the province of Alberta will have to uh, continue to uh, pursue for for hopefully a, a long time as, as we see so many people, you know, choosing to move here and choosing Alberta. Thank you so much, Minister Horner. 
Uh, to all our callers, if, if you would like to ask a question tonight, please dial star three on your keypad uh, to let us know that you'd like to speak live on, on the call. Uh, you'll then be connected with an operator who'll provide uh, further instruction. And of course, uh, if you're listening online, there's an opportunity for you to submit a written question. Uh, so uh, our, next, our next caller is Terry from Calgary. Terry, go ahead, we're ready for your question. Terry, you might need to unmute. Uh, is it me? There? Is it me? Okay, perfect, we can hear you now. Oh, yes. okay, sorry. Um, my question is, I'm um, sorry. Um, I'm on Asian, I'm highly involved in the medical system. I've been involved for like 10 years. And um, it is just really impossible for anyone on age to be a permanent worker, frontline worker, and the ability to work when you are uh, involved in the medical system and cared for by the medical system. My question is, what does the 2024 budget plan look like for people on disabilities um, that create a meaningful impact in terms of ageism and moving forward? Yeah. Thank you for the question, Terry. So um, AISH and um, uh, a lot of the other, um, you know, imp important social programs that, um, that Albertans rely on uh, were indexed in budget 2023, which is, uh, you know, with, with inflation uh, being where it is, it's, uh, it should lead to, you know, substantial uh, increase in payments. Um, and, you know, we've, We've done what we can, uh, you know, with the capacity that we have as government um, during this affordability crisis. I, I think back to the, you know, the six one hundred dollar uh, payments that everyone uh, received, and just kind of make a note of, you know, the, the cost of the affordability plan was uh, was about three billion dollars. Uh, so certainly not inconsequential. And when you when you view that. Um, when you view that against what we're talking about in in this current fiscal year and this uh, projected surplus, you can see that um, the government doesn't have the the capacity to just um, you know, be too be too uh, be too eager to try to redirect uh, money. It's important that these programs are sound um, and that they um, we certainly know how necessary they are. Uh, but we we need to also look at the trajectory of these of these programs and make sure they're sustainable for future Albertans. Uh, so that's that's the challenge we face, and uh, I think it's it's one that I, I we look forward to to doing our best on as a as a province and a government. Uh, but it is it is indeed a challenge. Thank you so much, Minister. Our next caller is Doran from Carstairs. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. It's great to hear from the community of Carstairs. Uh, go ahead, Doran, you're live. Doran, are you are you with us? Your feedback, but I'm not able to hear your question.
All right, I'll just go ahead and, and read Doreen's question here. And Doreen's asking, what can the government do about rising insurance costs? Uh, thank you, Doreen, and I hope, I hope we're pronouncing your name right. Uh, yeah, auto insurance um, rates have been much, much discussed um, over, the past, over the past few years. Um, we have made some changes. As many are aware, we brought in a, a rate pause in January of 2023. Um, that is set to expire uh, at the end of this calendar year. Uh, so we brought in some short-term changes um, to ensure that Albertans, Albertans are protected. Um, we brought in a, a price protection for, for good drivers, um, good drivers in the province. And you, you can go on our, our website to get the criteria of what a good driver is, but we've, uh, we've built that with the help of the rate board and, and industry. Um, can expect that, uh, you know, as, as long as they're insuring the same vehicle and they haven't, uh, you know, changed locations in the province, that they could expect that their rates uh, could not increase beyond inflation. Uh, so I believe they're using September of 2023 as the inflation rate. So I think it was about 3.7%. Uh, but we also made some other changes to uh, the rate board, um, the auto insurance rate board. Uh, Kind of to give them give them more teeth as as a regulator, uh, so they'll be able to uh, do things like uh, force rebates uh, from insurance companies uh, to good drivers where insurance exceed six um, percent profit. Uh, so things things like that I think will help, um, but I think there there's more work that needs to be done. Um, we're we've commissioned a, a study. I hope to get the interim report back uh, by the end of this calendar year on it's a full jurisdictional scan looking at absolutely uh, every every jurisdiction both on you know type and delivery model um, expect to get that back at the end of the calendar year and we get should get the finished report at the end of first quarter um, so I, I do think long term uh, we're going to continue to uh, try to find the best system for Albertans um yeah that's that's kind of exciting but i i do do appreciate your question i know this has been a a challenge uh, for many thank you minister uh, whether you're joining us tonight by the phone or online uh, we truly appreciate uh, these great questions and uh and your feedback when you do have a question that you'd like to ask please press star three on your keypad you'll be transferred to a live agent who We'll provide further instructions. So we're gonna try to get in as many questions this evening as possible. And for those who are listening through the live stream online, you can type your question into the dialogue box and we'll do our best to answer those questions as well. And our next question is from Wayne in Lethbridge. Wayne, go ahead. Uh, yes, I was just wondering uh, what we can do to eliminate this uh, carbon tax altogether because it seems like we're having the same experts on the, the climate agenda and the, the carbon taxes and stuff that were in charge of the COVID uh, problems that we had. And the truth is starting to come out there. And why can't we just get rid of this carbon nonsense uh, and forget about it? Well, thank you for the question, Wayne. Um, having lots of conversations with my federal and provincial colleagues about the carbon tax. Um, especially since it's been, I'd say, almost weaponized by uh, 
by the Prime Minister in, in providing home heating relief uh, to some in a specific region of the country, but not to all. So I'm headed to, uh, they call them FPT meetings, but they're federal, provincial and territorial meetings of all the finance ministers uh, and the, the federal minister of finance. And we'll make sure that uh, the carbon tax is, is discussed, uh, whether they have it on the agenda or not. But I, I, uh, I have a hard time, um, you know, believing that the, the federal government is sincere when they talk about uh, affordability when we know that this means about $710 per year per household. And they've been asked many times, you know, how, what, what are the, what's the level of emissions that has, uh, has been, has been saved because of this policy and they can't point to any. The only emissions that's saved is by making us less competitive and by chasing um, chasing different projects, investment, manufacturing to other jurisdictions. So we'll continue to uh, we'll continue to push. Um, I'm in agreement with you, Wayne, that it's time that this this policy uh, goes away. And, uh, I'm 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 more than optimistic that. Um, our next federal government will will agree with us. Great question, Wayne, and great answer, Minister. Uh, Wayne, rest assured that you, you've got a provincial government here that is standing up to the feds and standing up for Alberta every single day. Our next question is from Robert in, in Calgary. Robert, we're ready for your question. Yeah, my, he just got me frustrated with something else he said, but one is, why isn't our provincial government managing our money so my son isn't going to be broke? For the la just before the last election, you gave everyone $600. That's fine. But just because you had a surplus, you don't have to spend it, which gave the appearance you're trying to buy votes for the election. Now you spent $9 million or $10 million on APP, then you drop it. You're, you're buying a board four boards for our health where we had one before so it's going to be four admin salaries and then when we got the money from the feds for the cap oil wells you gave it to companies that were in existence instead of using it to cap other wells companies are supposed to cap their own wells but you just gave them more money so it doesn't seem you're managing my money and i believe the carbon tax is better Robert. because Oh, sorry. He, he, he weaponized it when he talked about the feds. Sorry. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Sorry, can you just uh, ask uh, the question? Sorry, I didn't get the question. Why, doesn't the gov why can't does the government spend money all the time and not manage it? They seem to give it to admin. Send someone to Dubai. Doesn't help the province. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for the question, Robert. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Provincial government has to to manage manage the finances appropriately now and in the future. That's why we are focused on on debt reduction. I did mention on a on a previous call. There's 26.7 billion dollars in debt that needs to be refinanced uh, in the province. Um, seven and a half uh, in this fiscal year, six the year after, and then a huge huge debt stack maturing of 13.2 billion. So it's it's a priority. Um, you mentioned some things about the previous fiscal year, about uh, some money that was was spent um, around the affordability payments. Um, 
that was that was done uh, to deal with uh, an affordability affordability crisis at a time when we were trying to do our best to help. Um, all in a year where we ended up paying down 11.4 billion in debt, which I think is uh, something we should definitely take take uh, take note of. So that that could have been that could have been spent on things that could have been lots of things could have happened there, but we were we held firm and and paid the debt down. And I'm very glad the previous minister uh, did that. You mentioned some other things about the cost of uh, of uh, communication strategy uh, around around APP. I would just say that um, you know that the LifeWorks report showed us as a government that this has the potential to mean $5 billion annually um, that stays in the Alberta economy. You know, half that would stay in the, in the pockets of every Alberta family on people's paychecks and the other half in Alberta businesses. So when you, when you look at, uh, when you look at the, the cost of one against the cost of the other, I think it's, uh, I think it was, was prudent to have a conversation. And that, that conversation is still happening, Robert, I would add. Um, all we've made clear of is that we need a firm number uh, to continue to have it. So we're waiting on the opinion of the chief actuary uh, and an understanding of, of what the question is that the federal government's going to ask the actuary to do. So as we see clarity through that, we'll, we'll be back with uh, that conversation with Albertans. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, I think that I appreciated the the heart of your question was around you know you know prudent fiscal management. Um, so I think that needs to be looked at from everything like you mentioned trips to to the big picture, um, the big picture of the province. But that's that's our goal. That's what we're trying to do here. That's why we're calling we're calling everyone tonight to understand what's important to people. Thank you, Minister. Well put. And a big thank you to everyone who's participating from from home right now, either on the phone or online. It's been a really interesting dis discussion so far. Uh, so let's uh, keep it going and take another call. Uh, David from the beautiful Crow's Nest Pass, we're ready for your question. Hi, uh, I guess my question as an elected official for the Crow's Nest Pass is uh, we go into budget every year and uh, a comment made just before as to raising taxes and trying to keep taxes down but getting uh, downloaded with extra costs like RCMP costs and getting our funding cut and our MSI, which is changing and stuff like that. Is there going to be any relief in the 2024 budget for municipalities so they can try to keep taxes down for their residents? Uh, thanks for the question, David. Well, the, the LGFF, you, you probably know what that means, but I'll I'll clarify just for the other people listening, the, the local government fiscal framework. I think the the details of it will be announced very shortly if, if they if they haven't been by Minister McIver and his crew. Uh, but I know in budget 2023 it represented about two and a half billion dollars, and there was substantive increases on on operating grants. Uh, one of the challenges was like this. This wasn't my file, but I witnessed multiple ministers um, try to to come to a conclusion with both, you know, the rural municipalities and the and the urban municipalities, to really come to some kind of agreement on what the what the funding formula would look like. Um, 
and it's it depends depends where you live i'm sure to, to think what you would think is fair in that formula but something like for a rural municipality um you know kilometers of roads uh, bridges um, very very important and very different from from urban but i think you'll get clarity very soon uh from minister mciver and also probably better understanding of the the real exciting pledge with the lgff is that uh, revenues uh, for municipalities in the lgff will grow as provincial revenues grow so that's at a at a at a, at a one-to-one ratio as the province does better so will the municipalities and uh, i think that's the the most fair way we can all grow together and all deal with our uh, own own pressures uh, the most responsible way we can so much, Minister. Uh, the next question is from Don in Standard. Don, you're live. Go ahead. Hi, Mr. Minister. Uh, I'm phoning in regarding the 24 budget as how it relates to the uh, road tax. What is the plan for the road tax in the next year, and how much money is generally generated in the average year from this road tax? Just to be clear, Don, I'm, we're talking about the, the fuel tax? Yes, the sure, fuel tax sure that, we, that was uh, dropped off until the end of December. What What's the plan in the, in the new budget for it? Uh, great question. I'm glad you asked it, Don. Uh, so the fuel tax, the fuel tax will come back uh, January 1. Um, you asked what the total total quantum is uh, to the province it's it's been about 1.4 1.5 billion a year what what we're committed to and um, what we're committed to is our, our linkage uh, to the to the relief program around the price of WTI so when we came up with this program we found it very defensible because when oil's high the province does better you know we can we can uh, see it offset in our revenue line through royalties, but also fuel gets more expensive. So we thought that this um, this plan made a lot of sense for a couple different reasons. But the way it's the way it sits and the way it'll come back in the new year is that when um, when oil is under eighty dollars, um, the fuel tax will return to its thirteen cents a liter. And when it's 90 or more, it'll be completely off. And in the middle, between 85 and 90, it'll be four and a half cents a liter. And between 80 and 85, it'll be nine cents a liter. Um, there is also kind of a smoothing mechanism where it, it can't uh, it can't return at uh, the full 13 cents. So I, I would expect seeing the price of oil over this last quarter uh, that Albertans could expect a nine cents per liter. Um, increase um, January um, but we've also seen a lot lower fuel prices as well so it's it's one of those things I would uh, you know, I wish it could stay off forever but unfortunately as we've as we've heard tonight all the many needs and requirements of Albertans um, it's it's revenue that uh, that the province needs to provide all of these all of these programs so it's coming back but the the linkage to WTI will stay and so at times in the future, Albertans will will receive that relief. 
Thank you, Minister Horner, and thanks, Don, for taking the time to uh, to call in tonight. We appreciate your question. Uh, to everyone on the line, if you'd like to ask a question about our provincial budget, uh, please press star three on your phone uh, to let us know that you'd like to speak live on the call. And for those listening online, uh, you can submit a written question uh, in the text box provided. Our, our next callers are uh, Nicholas and Hannah from Calgary. Nicholas and Hannah, uh, you're live. Uh, we're ready for your question. Hello, yes. Um, I, I was just hoping that the minister could speak to um, what, if anything, is being done to invest in diversifying our economy to hopefully help smooth out some of the booms and busts that are so common here. Thank you. I'm going to assume that that's Hannah, not Nicholas. I'll, uh, it's a great, great question. The economic diversification is a, is a main focus of, of any government, certainly ours. Um, I've already mentioned on this call, you know, some of the big, the big projects have been announced, like the, the net zero ethylene cracker of Dow, um, the de Havilland project in Wheatland County, uh, the numerous um, tech and innovation companies that are, are choosing to make uh, Calgary and Edmonton home. Um, we've seen, we keep setting new records every year in venture, venture capital attraction. I think we were up over 700 million um, in the in the last year, so the it is it is happening. It's happening in real time. I think uh, we're also seeing it in different spaces in the value added uh, landscape. Our agri food manufacturing. You may have seen the McCain's announcement, um, 600 million in in capital. Um, tons, uh, very many, very many jobs, kind of doubling doubling their plant there. So great news for you know our, our farmers and industry down in the in the Highway Three food corridor. Uh, so we we are seeing it across all sectors, um, and we continue to see people you know move here with their feet. We continue to see record corporate startups. Um, Part of the reason we're in this surplus position, um, everyone points to the, the royalties, uh, but it's increase in corporate income tax uh, and personal income tax. So I think I think we're seeing it happen. Uh, we'll continue to do things to to keep life affordable for for corporations and people, and I think that's what that's what we're seeing right now with this surge is that uh, people are choosing Alberta for multiple reasons, but affordability and and in a big way, opportunity. So that, that's what we'll keep doing. Thank you, Minister. Uh, there's certainly a lot of incredible success stories that you've uh, just mentioned a few of here in Alberta. And uh, the, this is really a result of, of really strong uh, policy here in Alberta. I'm especially excited to see de Havilland come to Alberta in my backyard. Uh, not just something that will uh, completely transform our local economy, but really uh, the, the entire province. So our next caller is Percy from the Crowsmith Pass. Uh, go ahead, Percy, you are live. Hello, uh, first I'd like to thank you, Minister, for uh, taking your time this evening. And my question has to do with how much, if any, in the new budget will be allocated towards aiding people with disabilities, um, wheelchair-bound people like myself. 
what can we expect to see out of this budget? It's going to help us in our daily lives to make our daily lives easier and um, more accessible to the rest of the world. Well, thank you for the question, Percy. Well, something I, sh I should just clarify for you and, and everyone else listening is just that we we haven't uh, budget 24 is is not built yet. That's why we're having this call to to ask what's important to you. We are um, in the process of, of hearing from the individual ministries about um, you know their different uh, asks and needs, um, whether it's on capital or in programming. So we're we're at the point where we're trying to get all of all of the the asks on the table so we can really look at. Um, you know, trade-offs, frankly, across the province. You know, if you fund this, it's at the expense of what else. So that's that's where we're at in this process. Um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the heart of your question, you know, I, I think I'd point back to to budget 23 as a starting point. Um, you know, where we uh, we indexed a lot of these important social programs, um, you know, like H and PDD. Um, the programming for you know families with uh, with children with severe disabilities uh, was indexed. Um, you know some of the size of these programs. I think I think H is around 1.4 billion. Disability services about 1.3 billion. So we certainly know uh, and are aware of, of how important these programs are, and, and you know we're committed to to making sure that they can you know, move with inflation and that. Uh, all Albertans have a have a top quality top quality of life. Thank you, thank you, Percy, for the for the call. Thank you so much, Minister Horner, and a big thank you to everyone who's participating from home right now, both on the phone and online. Uh, we've got a question that's come in online from Mina, and Mina's asking. Uh, there was a lot of talk about plans to improve mental health and addiction. After looking at the budget, I'd like to know what exactly is the amount allocated to mental health and addiction support? Uh, thank you, Mina. So yes, under, under this government, we created the Ministry of Mental Health and Addiction. Um, I think there'll be a little more clarity, you know, once we get deeper into the, the AHS reorganization uh, with more of a focus on mental health. Uh, the funding, the funding is uh, is north of a billion dollars, and we're continuing to minister. Minister Williams and his team are are continuing to to try to tackle both sides of this and and deal with the challenges of of addiction uh, with the recovery oriented system of care. So we we know how important this is, and it's it's more prevalent than ever, and. Um, but budget 24, much like 23, will, will uh, shine a light on its importance, I'm sure. Thank you, Minister. And the next question is coming from Ken in Calgary. Ken, you are live. Go ahead. Good evening, Mr. Minister, and thanks for taking the time uh, to host this event. Uh, my question is, with regards to the proposed Alberta Pension Plan, as somebody that is very close to retirement, has lived and worked their career in multiple provinces uh, over that time. Um, how is that factored in? As well, is there a concern that if Alberta was to move forward with this, would there possibly be a domino effect from other provinces, which could cause basically like a run on a bank and cause the pension plan federally to collapse? 
Uh, thanks for the question, Ken. Um, so to start at the beginning, because you know the best information the province has had has been the report that was commissioned uh, by by Morneau Chappelle and and uh, and became LifeWorks. Uh, it showed that if Alberta did pull out at uh, at the asset withdrawal size that they mentioned, that it would mean an increase uh, to the rest of of the provinces in what their contribution rate would have to be. Uh, but to the tune of about $175 a year for both employer uh, and employee, uh, so not not to the not to the point where it would uh, would collapse uh, anything. Uh, but when you talk about mobility, um, great great question. We get a lot of questions about this. I think you have to think of it much the way the Quebec pension plan works uh, within the country, um, parallel to the CPP. You know, you can work uh, multiple in multiple provinces, and uh, your contributions are are collected and aligned, and you only receive uh, one check. Um, that's how an Alberta pension plan would have to work. Uh, very similarly, uh, the Canadian pension plan has about 60 different agreements. The Quebec pension plan has about 39. Uh, if Albertans did decide they wanted to pursue this, uh, the government would have to pursue those those same agreements and and make sure that that's that that's the case. Uh, one of the things that um, hopefully proves interesting from the involvement of the chief actuary is that they have access to better better data. So the LifeWorks report had to use uh, publicly available publicly available data. Uh, the actuary should have data that where they can look at it as a more in, on an individual basis as opposed to the individuals within a province. Um, so I'm hope, hopeful that that proves, uh, um, you know, interesting at the least, but provides more clarity on uh, on what this would actually look like. Thank you so much, Ken, for that question. Thank you, Minister. Our next caller is coming in from Calgary. Ted, uh, you're live. Go ahead with your question. Hello? Hello? Yeah, we have you, Ted. Go ahead. Yes, good evening. <clears throat> with the economy going through some rough up and downs and with people struggling with the cost of living, groceries, inflation, energy, and so forth, what is this government trying to do in order to mitigate these things as well? Wages have fallen behind as well. They're not keeping up with inflation. What is this government's plan to try and turn that around somewhat? Uh, thank you for the question, Ted. Um, I think I think you have to look at the at the starting point of of where Alberta sits. You know, we we are seeing major population growth, um, which is is nice to see. That's a better challenge than people leaving. I think we've seen um, eleven out of twelve um, months with population increase, uh, and we're seeing creation of of new jobs. Um, obviously, investment attraction. The biggest tool the government has to make life affordable is is keep the number one expense that an individual or a family pays uh, down, and that's their taxes. So we're we're continued to keep that keep that commitment. Um, like we mentioned on this call, in any other province, Albertans in Alberta would pay about 20 billion more in taxes, um, healthcare premium, you know, sales tax. These things make a big difference. I think sometimes are, are 
gotten. We know inflation's been a, a major challenge. Uh, we've seen it seen it across the board. Um, but as I've said, you know, the government doesn't have the capacity uh, to make everyone whole. We have to focus on on what we can do well, and I think that's these broad policies um, that that will keep life affordable. Um, so that that'll be our focus, while obviously, um, you know, dealing with uh, the most vulnerable in our society and and making sure that. Um, that they're that they're taken care of and uh, and that the programming that that helps them is is sustainable for the future and, and the next generation of Albertans. Thank you, Minister, and thank you again to everyone who's uh, called in or is listening online. It's been a really interesting discussion tonight. Our next uh, caller is Josh from Calgary. Josh, go ahead with your question. Good evening. My question is uh, a good one actually to follow the previous one. The minister keeps mentioning how Alberta has quite low taxes, and that's wonderful. However, the province is still enormously dependent on oil and gas. Um, the premier has acknowledged and stated that she supports a zero emissions economy. And since 85% of the emissions are actually caused when oil and gas is burned. Any carbon capture project, at best, if it was 100% successful, could only accomplish a 15% reduction. So my question is, given that this province is still so heavily dependent on royalties from oil and gas, what is the plan of this government, not with platitudes, but with actual concrete plans, to move the economy away from being so dependent on oil and gas? Since we do not have a PST, how are we going to fund these programs into the future? Thank you for the question, Josh. I think I think part of part of the answer um, is is what we're already seeing: the growth in the technology and innovation space uh, that we're seeing, the venture capital money that's flowing in into Calgary and Edmonton, um, major projects that aren't oil and gas based, like uh, like De Havilland coming here to manufacture, um, basically leaving two two provinces and and choosing choosing to make Alberta home. So I think that's that's helpful. Um, you're not wrong that uh, you know the royalty revenue uh, is now forecast at 19.7 billion dollars. Um, that is a that is a very big number, and we're still very much tied uh, tied to royalty revenues in this province. Um, what that means is it allows for the 20 billion dollar uh, tax advantage. Uh, over the other provinces, that's that's fiscal capacity that that isn't being used. That's you know serving all of Albertans with affordability and providing opportunity to so many. Why they're why they're choosing here? Um, that that fiscal capacity. You know, if Albertans want to, want to take that off the table, I guess that's a that's a different question. Uh, but right now, we're seeing Alberta grow. They're coming here in droves because they think there's more opportunity and it's more affordable than anywhere else. That's the that's the key point. Thank you so much, Josh, uh, for for calling in with your question and uh, and to everyone else who's made time tonight to to join us. Uh, the next question comes from Dick in Medicine Hat. Dick, you are live. Go ahead with your question. Hello, and thank you for answering my question here. I was wondering why the province hasn't considered 
standalone emergency medical clinics such as they have in Hawaii to take the load off the hospital emergency rooms. Uh, thank, thank you for the, the question and comment, Dick. Um, well, I can certainly take that back to the Minister of Health. You know, one of one of the challenges that we're seeing, um, and whether it would be a standalone uh, clinic or or one that's more more typical to what you see now, is we still have the same uh, labor requirements. So we do need to make sure we have enough people to uh, to operate these facilities, uh, regardless of if they're standalone or 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 other. But I'll I'll take that back to the minister. Um, I've never heard of the, the Hawaii comparison, but uh, appreciate the call tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. All right, another question is coming in from online. This is a question from Carrie in Brooks, and Carrie is asking, will there be anything in the budget to make sure kids can get spots at schools to learn skills we actually need, like trades, construction, and welding? Will you provide funding for the trades? Thank you for the question. That was that was Carrie. Um, appreciate that. Um, I think it's skilled skills for trades, um, skills for jobs. You know that's been a priority of our government um, through through the last term. Um, we know we're short of every skilled trade. We know that they're retiring. Baby boomers are retiring at a rate that we certainly can't create them, uh, but we need to try. Uh, so I think you'll see. A lot of intention uh, there, working with our post-secondary institutions to provide create spaces um, in these fields. Um, you know, and even if you even if you look at the the earnings and earning potential um, in these spaces, it's a it's a great thing for young Albertans to consider and uh, help help the province uh, through this this time of. Uh, Kind of renaissance and renewal as we're as we're landing all these projects, and we know we have to build uh, all of this infrastructure for a growing a growing population. So it'll it'll definitely get a lot of consideration. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you so much, uh, Carrie, for writing in in your question. I I just want to thank everyone once again for making the time for such an important discussion. I'll turn the floor over to uh, Minister Horner now before we close for this evening. Uh, thank you, Chantel, and thanks to everyone for joining in this discussion. I know the government has come to you for your thoughts on so many issues lately. Uh, that's because we want to hear your voices and consider your suggestions. Alberta's budget can seem daunting. We're talking about how billions of your hard-earned dollars should be divvied up to help Albertans, communities, and businesses. It's a difficult conversation when so many are struggling with their own household finances. I appreciate you taking the time to participate in the discussion. Alberta's government is working hard to not only make ends meet and balance the budget, we're also working hard to make sure our fiscal choices today help create a sustainable future for our kids. That's what a resilient economy means. It means we're creating jobs and opportunities today and providing you the top quality public services you deserve. And it means we're planning for the future so the next generation doesn't have to carry our debt burden or struggle to find enough resources. So thanks again for staying on the phones or joining online. Your voice is important. As we head into the holidays to recharge and begin plans for the new year, we will continue to make strong fiscal choices so every Albertan can take part in our economic prosperity. 
Thank you again for taking the time to join us on the call tonight and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Minister, for joining us this evening. I really enjoyed hearing everyone's questions and the discussion that we've had tonight. It was great to listen to so many different thoughts and ideas. All the feedback that we've collected this evening will be considered as we prepare budget 2024. And if you would like to provide further input, please visit the budget 2024 consultation page at alberta.ca forward slash budget consultation and complete the web survey, which will be open for another month until Friday, January the 19th. Thanks again for being part of this event tonight and enjoy the rest of your evening.